When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. The men's ashes are nearly here. Battle is due to commence between England and Australia, the world's oldest cricketing rivals, later this week at Edgbaston on June the 16th. England and Australia will be playing a five-match series in less than seven weeks. The Paddock and the Pavilion will be hosting their own three-match series with two Englishmen and one Australian over the next two days. Rick McCosker, Dennis Amis and Richard Ellison will be recalling their memories of the Ashes, as well as giving their thoughts on this much-anticipated test series. I also tested their memory with a quiz about their own Ashes career. Our third guest in our Memories of the Ashes series is Richard Ellison. Richard only played two Ashes test matches, both in 1985. But few players have ever made a bigger impact than the former Kent swing bowler. Let's hear Richard's incredible story and capture the magic of Edgbaston and the Oval in 1985 when England won the Ashes. Hello, Richard. Welcome to the show and for agreeing to be part of our Memories of the Ashes series. It's a pleasure, Stephen. It's nice to be talking to you. Well, thank you very much. I wanted to start. You're about the same age as me. Um, What's your earliest memory of the Ashes? Well, I, I, I vaguely remember. It's not clear in my head. I vaguely remember having a radio under my pillow and listening to any tour which was in Australia overnight before I went to sleep. I knew that cricket between England and Australia was going on, but I I was fortunate enough to go and stay with Colin Cowdery when I was at school. And I remember him flying out to Australia in 1975, I think it might have been, or something like that, 74, 73 even. Um, and having stayed in his house, he was he, he was flown out as a replacement. I'm not sure who for. So my connection with cricket was more through Kent than anything. I used to follow them and people like Brian Luckhurst, Mike Deness, all these people who, who, who were in that late 60s, early 70s side. So that was my initial collect connection with those, those players. And my interest was spiked by that, obviously. So was your, your, your family a cricketing family as well? Yes, my brother uh, played for Wiltshire. He was a cricketing blue up at Cambridge. And my my great-grandfather apparently played against W.G. Grace. Apparently. I don't know if that's gospel true, but um, that's what I was being led to believe to be the case. Well, we are going back a, a bit back away there yes. we mentioned yes. wg grace uh, but yes. when you started playing cricket for kent was it always your dream then to play for yeah. england 
at 16, I was going to leave school and join the Marines. I don't know. I think one of my uncles thought that would be quite a good idea. Um, and then I got some trouble with my back. And I never thought, having made my debut for Kent, that the England thing was just around the corner, so to speak. I was more confident about my bowling then and in terms of what I could do. Um, when I was at school, I was taught to bowl in the way swing and an in-swinger by Alan Dixon, um, a former Kent player. So I, I picked up the knack and then I, over the course of time, I honed it until I made my test debut. And then I lost a little bit of what I could have done with the ball a little bit later on in my career until I resurrected it in the late 80s. So making your debut in 81 for Kent, do you, do you recall, you must have recalled Botham's Ashes in, in that year? Oh, yeah, hugely. I remember we used to go, uh, from uh, from 81, we used to go up to, and play some cricket in Oxford. I don't know why I was there. I wasn't playing against Oxford University. And I remember watching what was going on through the the the, the, the um, radio fusions, t- through the, 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 the window of, what was happening on the ashes. And I mean, it was staggering what happened in that test match. I, I can still see Willis getting the wickets, both of them just going out there and making hay as it was with Graham Dilly supporting him. So I had an interest in cricket by then, for sure. And England, Australia was the, the key test match series. So I was interested in that series in 81, definitely. Now, you made your test debut in 1984 against the West Indies. We, we, we won't talk about um, that series. And you'd played five tests before you made your Ashes debut. But And then, then moving forward to 1985, were you hopeful that year of playing in the Ashes? Early in the season, I rolled my ankle pre-season training with Kent. So I was out for six weeks with ligament damage in my right ankle. And I got myself super fit. And by the time I was selected, I was feeling good about my bowling. And it's all about confidence. And I had good control of the ball. Um, And the press, you could pick up little snippets in the press. They generally knew about if, they, if someone was doing well, they know about that name. It, it might appear in some of the articles which they were writing. Well, I felt I had a chance of selection because people are talking about you. Um, so, yeah, I thought I, I thought I had a chance. Having recovered from the injury, so I got myself fit and probably changed my dietary habits a little bit as well. In 1985, England won the first test at Headingley, lost at Lords, and drew at Trent Bridge. Richard was brought into the squad for the fourth test at Old Trafford, but was left out of the final 11. When Richard made his Ashes debut at Edgbaston, the series was poised at one test each. In 85 life, I had a really heavy cold before the game, and Bernard Thomas, the physio, didn't think I should have played. And I thought, having gone through the season and got myself fit again, and having been selected in the squad, I wasn't going to diss this chance of, of playing again. 
So, and I thank, thank goodness I did, because I had my sort of 15 minutes in the sun, so to speak. The test debut then was on the 15th of August at uh, Edgbaston. Do you remember your first ball in Ashes Test cricket? No. No. <laughs> you remember it's not that good. Um, but I think I think Hilditch, I'm trying to think, um, le- South African left-hander, Vessels, is it Vessels? No. Kepler Vessels, yeah. Yes, yeah. He was playing for Australia then, so I, I don't remember for my first ball. I didn't open the bowling. Botham and Les Taylor, I think, opened the bowling. I don't remember my first ball. All I know is I bowled from the city end. That's all I can remember. Well, Australia were dismissed for 335 and you got six for 77 off 31.5 overs. Mm. And you ripped through their middle order. This is in the first innings. You've got Alan Border, Kepler Vessels, Greg Ritchie and Wayne Phillips out. Yeah. I just just remember the, to the to the right-handers. Well, I, I, you see nowadays that any left-handers who come in, bowlers tend to go around the wicket and try to angle the ball in and make it move away from the left-handers. I suppose I could have done that, but my my run-up, what I was trying to do was to go across the left-handers, and if they're going to chase a wide ball, they might nick it, and then try and trap a LBW with the one which came back in. and. Um, I did, at first, is I remember getting Border out, caught by Phil Edmonds just around the corner on the leg side with one he was just trying to, to work. And so there was a bit of a plan there, I suppose. Um, Gower's captain was very, he was a very easygoing captain. And he let you make the decisions as to what field you'd like. He might come and have a chat with you about various positions and what plan he might have. Um, but I found, I found him quite easy to work with and he gave most of the ownership to the the bowler who, who was bowling at the time so i think vessels chased the wide one uh, i'm not sure i know in the second innings hilditch got out hooking again which he he did nine times out of ten i think in those in those games to both of them um i know gower took a very good catch at mid on running back over his shoulder I can't really remember. I think they all nicked off behind, I think. Greg well, the, se- the second innings is where you're really famous for your spell, which ripped through the Australian yeah. top order. They're 32 for one at one stage, and then at the close of play, they're 37 for five. And you had figures of five overs, three maidens, four for two. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those purple days, I suppose, whatever you want to call it. Did everything come together in, in that short I spell? Suppose- I suppose it did, yes. One of them was Bob Holland, who was a night watchman. I got him out LBW first ball, I think. Yeah, you on a hat trick. Um, yeah, I was. Um, Vessels, I think he chipped one up in the air. Hilditch got out hooking. I caught him. I just called for a sun hat down at um, fine leg. And it, and the and both them planned it perfectly. And the ball came straight to me. I caught it. had had the sun hat on because the sun was going sort of, ooh, I'm trying to think where it was now it was about to be setting in the west sort of thing and and having got him out caught i just had that purple as i said purple spell um but the the ball i got border out with i was trying to go across him and keep going across him but it actually kept going went across him and then just held its line and nipped back and clipped the off stump and and that that was the key wicket because he he was a 
a fantastic batsman, very resilient, tough to get out, and a great leader of that of that side. So um, that that was the key wicket, I believe. Um, I had a little bit of luck and a leading edge, which Tim Robinson caught at square cover. Bob Holland LBW, and I think I got someone caught by, caught behind. Yeah. It's a long time ago, Stephen. Yeah, the crowd was really on your side, though. There was a lot of noise in the crowd. Well, that's what I remember from the day, running in from the city end, and the, the swell of noise was was huge. Um, so that sort of buoyed you in, and almost the adrenaline, you're adrenalised anyway, but having that noise, and, and Edgewood is a noisy ground, which is great. And I think they should play all the first test match against any touring side at Edgbaston because you're going to get great support, a lot of noise, a lot of passionate English supporters. Um, but that's what I remember, City and, and the noise, and it sort of buoyed you in. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, can still, I can still hear it in my ears, so to speak. Uh, it must be a very fantastic memory to to recall. You got ten wickets in the match. You're the player of the match. You must have thought Ashes yeah. cricket was a doddle after that. No, I'd like. As I said, I had my fifteen minutes in the sun, Stephen. I, I, it was. I, I never thought it was a doddle. Um, all of a sudden, your name's up in lights. It's in the front page and all this sort of thing. Be, be, but because it was Australia, it was that much more significant not only for myself but the British public I would have thought I would never have thought that Ashes cricket was a doll I think no, I was only fair, teasing. I know you were to be fair to the Australian side I think quite a few of their players had gone on a tour to South Africa so I'm not saying they were below par in terms of who they may select but um um, they didn't have their full complement to choose from initially, but that's not my fault. Um, you can only play against who's been put up in front of you. And I never thought Ashes cricket was a doddle, I must be honest with you, because albeit just two games, I found I found them tough competitors and they, and they are still now and always have been, always will be. Um, I say I only played two two test matches against them, but they're gritty, and uh, and 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 they they play good cricket. Your confidence must have been high though going to the Oval for your second and final Ashes Test when yeah. you got another seven wickets. Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, I'm not saying they were scared of my bowling, but I'm not sure if they worked out what I was trying to trying to do I suppose way swing I managed to get late swing as well which is quite important a little bit both ways um yeah I was confident I think I might have unnerved a few of them I don't know I I, I haven't talked to them about it so I, I I can't I can't really say but I was very confident about what I could do um both of both of them was a hero of mine when I was at school he'd already played test cricket he caught a couple of amazing catches at second slip where he used to come forward to make sure that the ball was going to carry. So I was I was pleased to be playing in the same team as him. As I say, he was a hero of mine when I was at school. And you, you become more accepted in that sort of 
set up, if that's the right word, if you have performed. Um, I was I was generally quite a quiet person in the changing room. I I, I wouldn't really voice my opinions, um, especially in an England changing room. You've got enough experienced people there who have been around the block more than once or twice and they, they understand what's going on. For me, I say my first test against the West Indies, before the game, I used to go for a run of the run around the ground three times. I'm looking for my training shoes. And um, Ian Botham has super glued them to the ceiling of the changing room. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, but that, well, that's how he was. Uh, but I, I'm not going to have a go at him because, as I said, he was a he was a hero of mine. So um, just to be in that company for me was um, not only fantastically great, but you, you 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 need to be quite humble in there as well. So I was I was pretty quiet. I was just glad to be there. Yeah, you were playing with say Graham Gooch, Mike Gatchin, yeah. David Gower, Ian Botham, as you say, and. Yeah. You also got, I noticed you got Alan Border out three of the four, four innings. You got him out yeah, again yeah. In, at the Oval. I think before that game at the Oval, Kent played the Australia down at Canterbury. And I'm not sure, I think I might have got him out caught behind again down there um, for, the Kent, for the Kent game. Um, once again, tried to go across ball. I think he got 50 odd in, the, in that last test match. He did, tried yeah, to go 58. across him, and I eventually got him caught, um, chasing one by caught by both of them at second slip. So, yeah, but both of them caught some unbel- as I said, some unbelievable catches, one-handed above his head, jumping up. He was a fantastic fielder, and there there was his value as a, as a slip fielder as well. Um, so, yeah, as I said, Stephen, I had my I had my. 15 minutes in the sun basically well you, you won the ashes as well and that that uh yeah, that yeah. Series in 1985 <laughs> we forget england didn't win the ashes again until well they won again and retained the ashes in 86 87 but we didn't seven, win a yeah. home series again until 2005 so Correct. what was the feeling after winning the ashes yeah you celebrate of course you do um i think the team's got on reasonably well there was a uh, you, you you met with the opposition afterwards um yeah, we celebrated. It was just, I think it was the morning of the Monday. Was it the Monday or the Tuesday? It would have been the Monday. Because you're still rest days in those days, aren't rest, you? Yes. And I went I went clay pigeon shooting with Les Taylor and Alan Lamb, I think. We went down to Maidenhead. And I got in the next morning. My shoulder was killing. <laughs> Having had the butt of the gun go into my, into my shoulder. But Bernard Toy managed to loosen it all up. And um, I managed to get those those five wickets. Um, yeah, we celebrated. We won. We won the Ashes, three um, one. I think we celebrated long into the night. Whether we went as a team, I think. I think my mum and stepfather would have come and watched. I think my brother, younger brother, may have been there. So um, yeah, it, it's it's nice to see families supporting you. And I would have had a drink definitely. Well, you got 17 wickets again in those two t- test yeah. matches against Australia at an average of 10.88. You must have wanted more Ashes cricket and you, you didn't manage to play another Ashes test. No, I mean, 
looking back, I didn't play another Ashes Test, and I didn't get selected to play against Australia again. Um, what I will say, I, I could have looked after myself a little bit better, I would have thought. Um, I could have maintained my fitness um, and made sure that I, I didn't have the back issues which I had had as a youngster, age 16, and I had them throughout my life until I recognised the importance of being strong around my core, in my lower back, in my glute, in my bum muscles, my glutes. And that's that's where I managed to sort of, sort of claw back that fitness aspect and be more respectful to my body in terms of, I talk about my dietary input, but also from a, I like my beer. Um, and I suppose as you get a little bit older, you get more thoughtful about what you should be doing. But when you were younger, you just got on and had a great time. I'm not saying that's how cricket was then, but in, in, in county cricket, you had two sponsors who were cigarette companies, John Player Special and Benson and Hedges. I was a smoker back then. And then generally the county was sponsored by some brewery or something. So <laughs> the, the lifestyle was an interesting one. That's what I'd say. Um, you were professional cricketers. And then the people were chucking fags and booze at you all the time. Yeah. And of um, course, in those days, you wouldn't have had the support that bowlers get now with their schedule and their all that sort of thing, no. would you? No, no I would have thought. I don't, I don't know how intense that might be now, but I, but I also think you have a responsibility to look after yourself, and it's easy saying that looking back. Um, even county cricketers, international cricketers, now they do have a responsibility because the money back then, compared to the money now, is significant significantly different i'm not saying we got paid badly back then but i suppose it's just it's a bit of a life life journey you you, you can reminisce back about what you should have done or could have done um i never thought i'd play even after i played 11 test matches i thought i had a chance of being selected again um but i know yeah you, you um, didn't go on the 86-87 Australia no, tour. We were in contention for that, though. I like to think I would have been. And I I went and played out in the Sheffield Shield for Tasmania. So I was out in Australia. I suppose I didn't go out there with a thought that if someone gets injured, I might get, I might get asked to play. But to say it hadn't crossed my mind, I just... I just needed to make sure that um, I was around if required. And I think, I think I got quite close, but um, in the end, I just enjoyed playing some Sheffield, Sheffield Shield cricket. But as you say, you had a memorable, albeit two tests against the Australians yeah. in 1985. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had an impact on those games. So I, I'm not saying I won the te Ashes for England, but I was part of an Ashes winning side, which I don't know how many people can say that. I'm sure there's there's a few around. But, um, yeah, I had, as I said, I was part of something which is pretty special. Well, I've got it. I've, I've done this with Rick and um, 
and Dennis. It wasn't in the brief, so I, I'm going to ask you a few. I've only got two matches to go on for you, so I'm going to ask you some quiz questions about those two test matches. You've only got six questions, so there's no pressure. So right. I think I think Rick got four and um, Dennis got three out of six. So <laughs> so I'll see how you get on. You you've probably got an unfair advantage here because I think uh, Rick had got I think close to twenty twenty tests against England, and and Dennis was uh, I think twelve. I think, but right. Um, well, the first question is about the Edgbaston test. It. Who got his 200th test wicket in the Edgbaston test? I'm going to say Craig McDermott. No, it's Jeff Thompson. Jeff Thompson, he was the other one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and and do, you, do you remember who Jeff got out for his for his 200th test wicket? Gooch. Gooch, yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. And it actually, it was, it was, um, it was Jeff Thompson's last ever test match and the last test wicket he got. So he got 200 tests. Is that tests right? Wickets. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The next one is the who was the Australian top scorer in their first innings after he wasn't the top, the, the second highest top scorer in their first innings. Kepler got uh, 83, I think. And who got the next? It was the only other person who got 50. Greg Ritchie? No, Jeff Lawson. Got fifty three. That's right. He did. He and someone put on. Yes, they... yeah, right. We're going to move on to the Oval now. Um, who made his Test debut for Australia at the Oval? Dave Gilbert. Yeah, we got that right. Yeah, all right. Um, I only know that Stephen because he got me out. <laughs> uh, well, you should get the last question right now. Anyway. The, the the fifth question is Gooch got 196, Gower got 157. They put on 351 out of a total of 464. Aside from extras, who was England's top scorer? Apart from Gooch and Gower. It's not Richard Ellison. Uh, no, it's not me. I got three. <laughs> <laughs> Embry, Downson, Lamb. Getting. I'm going to say Tim Robinson. No, it's Paul Downton. He got 16. I was going to say him. Damn it. Yeah, yeah he got 16. <laughs> and, the, and the last question, you're going to, well, you, 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 well, you will get it right, but because you know the bowler, but how did you get out in the, in your last test innings against Australia? Caught slip. Dave Gilbert got me out. Dave Gilbert got you out, but you were caught Phillips. So that was, he oh, was keep, keeping wicket, keep wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Little I wasn't sure, actually, when I was doing the research. What is the, um, so it wasn't 100%. The, the, the Gower caught um, off the boot, was that one of your Ooh. test matches? Yes. Was that Edgbaston? Yes. Interesting one. Yeah, I'd like to see the DRS on that one. Um, well, yes. Whether whether it hit the ground before it hit his boot, whether it, because the ball went up, it's got to have hit something. Was it his boot which brought it up, or was it, are there any ground contact? And it's that would have been so difficult to ascertain what was what it hit first. But yeah, I um, recommend people to watch that on uh, video. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I'd like to know what the soft signal would be for that one. Yes, very much so. <laughs> well let's look ahead to um this year's ashes mm. um are you excited about the series that start on the 16th of june well i am because it's i think it's 
I think it's a really interesting, potentially interesting series. Um, it's how both teams go about their game is going to be really, really interesting because I think England batting against the quality bowling attack that Australian have, you've got the three seamers and Nathan Lyon. Um, it's how they're going to play them. That's what, I, that's what I'm interested to say. Are they going to go hard like they're going at the moment? Um, are they going to be a little bit more circumspect and just play the situation? I don't think they will because my, my thoughts about what McCullum and Stokes have done, I've got no criticism about it at all. It's working at the moment, but they're going to, I'm sure there's going to come a time when it's not going to work. And, and it might be against this attack. I, I'm, I'm guessing ahead here. Um, Will the batters go hard, carry on going hard? Because I think the discipline of the three seamers and the spinner um, might just slow them down a little bit in that regards and make them more cautious in terms of how they play. be interesting to see what the philosophy is from both teams because this will be a surprise to Australia as well, I think. Yeah, interesting what you say about how England will go about against the Australians if it doesn't work out because when i spoke to rick mccosker in a in a previous podcast rick wondered how the english press would deal with it if say we went really hard and got skittled for say 150 or something yeah but, but it's very interesting i know they made a change and brought Bairstow in but how do you get dropped from that side if you're told to go out there and play your shots as a batter um and and who from county cricket is pushing hard to 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 get into that side, do you want attacking batsmen? I think days of the gone where they go pick a Chris Tavare or a boycott or something like that. But even even someone like Alex Lees, the opening batsman, who he didn't look up, he looked a decent cricketer as a, a test level. It's it's just the it's just a, a totally new philosophy, which I say it's new to me. It's new to new to a lot of people watching it, but. You need to keep Red Bull cricket entertaining. And so I can see why they're doing what they're doing. You mentioned about games being over in four days. Um, test match cricket now seems to be about two to three days at, at best. Um, and you talk about the marketing men and all that sort of thing and the imp impact it has there. But if England keep winning, I suppose the team's happy, the players are happy, the country's happy be really interested to see what happens i think everyone feels that at the moment one of those players that typifies the the sort of hard approach is kent player zach crawley yeah well he does i mean he and he goes hard and he's he's a he's a bright guy he gets it but you also wonder who, who's helping him behind the scenes about how he's playing um, has he got someone in his ear occasionally, a little bit? I was also quite surprised that I know Best has come in. I thought Crawley might get dropped. I know he's got a big score for Kent this season, but apart from that, he struggled a little bit. And I was surprised that Folks was dropped, to be honest with you. I thought that he's the best glove man. Um, he scores runs. So I'm assuming Bairstow is going to keep wicket, but and Crawley and ooh, who, who's he opening with at the moment? Ben Duckett. Ben Duckett. All right, yeah. 
Um, that's right. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Ben's done really well because everyone sees him as a more of a white ball cricketer. He plays very square of the wicket. Um, but obviously, he's he's the, the, the present person in the setup. And um, I'm, I'm assuming he's back to the hill, as, as, as are they all. I, I just think it'd be really fascinating to see how it see how it all pans out. And as an ex-England bowler, what do you think to our, our bowling attack and our bowling resources? Will, will we miss Joffre Archer's pace? Yes, I think pace in any sport is brilliant. If you are a quick winger in rugby or pace in football, um, you need that pace. So are you going to play Wood if he's fit? Um, no Archer. I'm not sure what Ollie Stone's fitness is like at the moment, but you need pace and you need discipline. So you're going to get that from Anderson and Robinson and Broad to a certain extent. You need to be disciplined from a bowling point of view. I wouldn't say you want to try too much. Just, um, and you need, and, and you're going to get it a little bit more over here, some lateral movement either either in the air or off the seam. So you're you're causing problems for both sides of the bat, basically. I think I think bowling discipline is really important, but having someone with that extra little bit of pace, and that's why I'd play a wood um, if he's if he's fit, because I don't think Archer will be fit. Uh, I talked about Ollie Stone. I don't. I'm not sure what his 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 state of fitness is at the moment, but. Remember, you've got Anderson and Broad who know English conditions really, really well. They know what they've got to do. And then you've got Pace of Wood, Robinson, and then Jack Leach, who I think his control has improved markedly um, over the last year. And you must marvel at Anderson, uh, Jimmy Anderson, who, who's going to be, I think, 41 in August, still playing for England. Yeah. Uh, but you look at him, body-wise, he doesn't look any different when it, than when he first played. And he, I'm not saying he's going to do a Darren Stevens and play till he's 46, but he gets it. He, and I, I don't, I don't know him. Um, I've, I've briefly met him once, but I, I, and that was to get something signed by him. Um, at 41, to do what he's doing. And his control is is exemplary in that regards, and he still moves the ball, and he's got all the skills. So anyone who's played any sort of cricket, take I take my hat off to him. Is he's he is outstanding in terms of what he's done throughout his career, and um, and I'd say the same about Broad as well in terms of his. He's just changed his length a little bit. He's bowled a little bit fuller, and once you go a little bit fuller, if you okay, not half folly, you're, you're committing the batsman to playing more often, and then you get that little lateral movement off the seam. Um, but between the two of them, I hope I hope they play together rather than one in one test and another in another test. Put them in there. They they get it. They get Ashes cricket. They they know what they need to do, so put your best people in there, and they're your best two opening bowlers. They're my thoughts, Steve.
So are, so are we going to win the Ashes like 1995? I think it's going to be... I think the, the games will be one lost, one lost by either side. So you might get a 3-2 here. Either way, 3-2. That's what I think. Well, thank you very much, oh, Richard. It's a pleasure. Australia are a tough side to crack. And there'll be some scars from previous series, I'm sure. And the Australians will remind the English of those too when they, when they get here. We shall see, Stephen. We shall see. And you said you're hoping to go to the second test at Lords. I'm hoping to, yeah. Well, I'm an MCC member as well, so I will be there. I need to make use of my membership. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I will be there. And what I try to do is go, go up top in the pavilion, watch cricket until lunchtime, so you get a feel of what's going on from a, from a pitch point of view. And then you know it's a very social occasion as well. Uh, I won't, I'll get the train up there and back, but um, I won't, um, I'll have a few beers, meet up with some people and um, just enjoy the day. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoy the day and thank you very much for joining me with your memories of the ashes on the paddock and the pavilion. It's a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Sports Social Podcast Network.